0: How dare you harass me like that? To prove you wrong, I'm going to leave a hundred comments on your social media calling you names. Self-defense. Self-awareness. Self-development. This is the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Hello and welcome to the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. I am the aforementioned Phil Elmore, your host. The Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore is a production of philelmore.com and themartialist.net. Let's see how many times I can say my own name in the course of one introduction. Today I thought we would talk about the topic of thin skin. Why does that matter in the context of martial arts? Well, as we'll see... The thickness of your skin has a direct bearing on your ability to learn. A little bit about me. I was never an athletic person. I went through my entire childhood as a nerd. You know, I was one of those bookish types. Uh, We all know that the template. Nerds and geeks have achieved a kind of pop culture fame now. But back then, when you were a nerd or a geek, people just made fun of you. Now, this is not to say that my childhood was a, a desert stretch of misery or that i was one of those emo kids who was woefully unhappy like any kid i suppose i went through phases but i look back on my childhood and it was a relatively good one i grew up in a a decent home we were relatively well off Uh, we lived in a good neighborhood in a good town it's kind of like living in a a suburb that didn't have a city attached to it the kind of place with endless neighborhoods where you can go trick-or-treating on halloween my childhood was good but one of the things that I always knew or at least thought I always knew about myself was that I would never be able to accomplish anything athletic. I was not good at sports you know some people that's just not their gift. When I got to college though I was presented with a dilemma. I went to a university that had uh, gym credits that were a requirement for everyone. I don't know if that's still the case but it was for me then. I took one semester of tennis, which was unremarkable, uh, and I learned to play tennis, so good for me. I was slow because I've never been a, I was born on Mosey, I've never been a particularly fast guy, but I did okay in tennis. And then the opportunity came up for me to take karate. Uh, back then, the, the karate club was, you could take it as a gym class for one semester. After that one semester, you could continue on your own dime and your own time with the, the Karate Club if you wanted to continue training, and so that's what I did. I took the Karate class, I got the gym credit, and I kept on going. I would say I trained in Karate at Alfred for three years. I think I had to stop into my senior year because things were getting really busy with you know getting ready to move on to the rest of life. Um, I got a yellow belt in Karate and was moving on to the, to the next rank that I never got to before we stopped. One thing that the Karate Club had at Alfred, though, was uh, Sensei Joe Liberto, who who was the the. I think he got promoted to like eighth Dan while I was a student there. He you know, he showed up one day with a, a brand new belt that was not the very worn black belt he'd always had, and it had like, I don't know, red, white, and blue on the tips or something like that. And it was it was a big deal. It was an eighth dan or it was might have even been more, I don't remember. But Joe Joe Liberto was a really nice guy, really good teacher, really patient, and he also taught me stick fighting because as part of the curriculum Uh, We did Filipino stick fighting. So my very first encounter with Eskrima and what it's like to to get whacked with a piece of rattan and to learn basic uh, patterns and sinawali and all that stuff, that that happened for me back in the early 1990s. So I was really blessed to be able to start that even way back then, because you don't normally think about that being associated with karate. Um, But one of the things that I remember thinking when I took that karate class, and this is the point I'm making in my long-winded way, is... I have never done anything athletic. How am I going to do this? Before I ever started karate, I had I had doubts. I had doubts about whether or not I could do it. What I found out was that yes, I could. No, I'm not the fastest guy. In if this was a comic book, I'd be the big guy in the back row. You know, I'm slow, but I'm relatively uh, able to you know put my shoulder down and and plow through. So I'm never going to win any speed contests, but I do all right. And what karate taught me was that there are no barriers to doing athletic things even if you're not a particularly athletic guy you just have to do it however it was also necessary to develop a thick skin early on i would learn this lesson many times in other areas of my life at the time i was learning it i didn't know that i was learning it but a thick skin is not just the ability to you know have other people insult you and and get past it having a thick skin also means being able to take criticism and not have it destroy your world or send you spiraling into depression. You know, th- this is a valuable and important life skill and people who have thick skin in all areas of their lives are the people who are able to go on and succeed and accomplish things. Um, one of the first people that I ever dealt with when I set up my first, uh, uh sort of martial arts and self-defense website, the martialist, um, was Scott Sonnen? Scott Sonnen, well-known, uh, a coach and a person of great athletic accomplishment uh, in the martial arts and in combat sports. I really like Scott. I always have liked Scott. Um, Scott and I have lost touch uh, in later years, just because that's the path our lives took. But I still follow him on social media, and and God love him, he's still doing. Like he doesn't age. He's still doing what he's always been doing. Um, so Scott once told me this was profound. When I first started reviewing martial arts products, Scott's were some of the first products that anyone ever sent me and asked me to review. And he asked me to do an honest review. And we got to talking about that and about some of the politicking in the martial arts. And he said something that was profound and prophetic and that would would come back to me many times over the years. And that is, you're going to have to grow a thick skin if you want to play with the grown-ups. He knew. because, And Scott was the victim of some of the most severe and and savage trolling I had ever seen at that time. I've since learned that it can get a lot worse. But, yeah, Scott used to get trolled all the time. He had real detractors. He had people who hated his guts. Um, And, you know, Scott was a nice guy. It's always always a shame when you see somebody who's a really nice guy just getting savaged because there are bad people out there who take a disliking to him. I have another friend in the martial arts industry, self-defense industry. Nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. He's never been anything but positive. I have never heard him say a negative word about anyone. But... Due to a, a case of mistaken identity and some martial arts fraud mistakenly attributing to my friend the authorship of a of a debunking article about the fraud's background, my, my friend gets just savagely trolled all the time by this guy and one or two of his supporters, and he doesn't deserve it. And I, I feel bad because to see such a nice man get undeserved hatred is always an injustice, but... He has a thick skin and somehow he rides it out and just goes on and continues to enjoy his life. Um, when I was working for, uh, well, with, not for, when I was working with an IP development company during a period of time that really spanned several years of, of tremendous development in my writing skill where I wrote many different properties and, and learned to be a much better writer of fiction, there was a time in my life when the fastest way to get on my bad side and to make me angry was to criticize my writing, because when I was an amateur writer, like so many amateurs, I had a very high opinion of what I was doing. It wasn't good, and I wasn't good enough to know that it wasn't good at that time. So after years of just being told, you know, this is this has to be better, here's constructive criticism, here's more criticism, you know, years of working with the IP development company and getting honest feedback, I remember saying early on, like, well, you know, the fastest way to make me mad is to criticize my writing, and the guy at the IP company said, well, you're going to have to get over that real fast, and he was right, and it was yet another facet of developing a thick skin. Um, I did an interview with a fellow who has a very prominent martial arts uh, YouTube channel recently, a super nice guy. And the the interview came about because I had critical things to say of him online and he took it in stride and and we laughed about it. But he mentioned uh, apparently he does he does bodybuilding. And to look at him, you could tell, you know, he's he's very well developed. Uh, Obviously, he works out and he says many times he'll get people accusing him of using steroids and and saying well there's no way you could be that big without using steroids and and he doesn't use steroids he says and you know he could easily get offended and he certainly does get annoyed when people accuse him of doing something he hasn't done but at the end of the day you just got to let it fall off your back because he knows the accusations aren't true and that's really Yes, people get very outraged when they are accused of things they haven't done, especially when those things are extremely grave and serious crimes. But when someone is criticizing you, when someone is, I don't mean making stuff about stuff up about you, like accusing you of, a you, you know, you've committed this horrible, heinous crime, and I'm going to tell the world. And if you didn't commit the horrible, heinous crime, you might be outraged to have been accused of it or to have other people think that you did it. But there are people who, when you just criticize them, Because the criticism hits close to the mark, they lose their frigging minds to be criticized. They just lose it and fall into this depressive cycle where they're questioning their very existence because, deep down... They're very insecure people, and they know that their position, their opinions of themselves, their image of themselves is built on sand. It's a house of cards just waiting to fall. Uh, And that's why so many martial arts frauds and fakes, uh, topics of previous podcasts here at the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Almore, there I said my name one more time, this why those people get so upset and so depressed and they go through a very obvious sine wave of getting low and acting out and having tantrums, then reinventing themselves and coming back for more and then getting depressed again. Um, people who are stable and well-developed will still experience times where they get sick of the grief that comes with what they're doing. But generally, their their curve is going to be a lot flatter because they're a lot more grounded in reality and they're more confident in what they're doing. And those people all have something in common. And I'm about to tell you what it is. But let me tell you a story that explains what it is. Years and years ago, I was a member of a Japanese martial arts related forum called eBudo. I have no idea if eBudo still exists. This was a long time ago, back in the days of, of forums being everything in online discussion, you know, bulletin boards. And uh, there was a guy who posted on ebudo.com named Don Cunningham. Don Cunningham was a traditional Japanese martial arts guy and, you know, very, very traditional. And he hated my guts. And the only reason Don hated my guts was because I represented everything that he thought was wrong with the martial arts. I represented the modern, you know, I, I don't care about tradition approach. For point of reference, when I published my book *Street Sword*, which is about the basics of using swords to uh, uh, impart force to other people, you know, it's not an uh, a neido book. It's not a traditional Japanese swordsmanship book. Uh, I got banned from Ibudo for publishing that book. That was enough. That was all. The, they were done with me by then. But before all that happened, Don Cunningham uh, had some things to say about the martial arts credentials of another guy. I believe that other guy was Rod Sakharanovsky of Juko Kai, but I don't remember that necessarily. Like, I'm doing this from memory. And he got sued. Don Cunningham got sued for telling the truth. I remember seeing that and being outraged on Don's behalf. Here's a guy who's telling the truth, the objective truth. Uh, And let me take a little departure here. If you're one of those people who's always talking about my truth and your truth and that guy's truth and, well, that's your truth, no, you're a moron. There is no my truth and your truth. There is just the truth. Either what I'm saying corresponds to the facts of objective reality or it doesn't. That doesn't mean that we can't also possess subjective opinions about things that are not objectively quantifiable. You know, is this dance good? That's not an objectively quantifiable measure. It's subjective by its nature. But did I earn this black belt in this art? That's either a yes or a no. Either I did or I didn't. You know, and you could further drill down to, did I earn this art from this teacher at this time? But my point is, some things are objectively quantifiable. There is no my truth and your truth. There's just the truth. And Don was getting sued for telling the truth because the the fraud slash fake that he had called out was offended and upset and angry to have his delusional architecture challenged. So I made like a $20 donation to Don Cunningham's legal defense fund because I I really didn't like to see him getting maligned for telling the truth. And from that point forward, Don Cunningham and I were friends. He has sadly since passed away. Uh, But I'll always remember the fact that all it took, it's not like I could buy a man's friendship for 20 bucks. What that donation represented was what we had in common, which was a respect for the truth, regardless of any differences we'd had up to that point, regardless of any insults thrown back and forth. And he had made some, and I'm pretty sure I must have too. I don't remember, but knowing me, because I'm in here, I bet I did. (laughs) But all it took was that gesture saying, I too respect the truth. And Don Cunningham and I were good with each other for the rest of his life. Uh, we were even, I believe we were friends on Facebook. Um, I'd have to actually look to, to verify that that's true and I'm not mixing it up with some other social media site. You know, I'm old enough to remember MySpace. But anyway, uh, what Don and I had in common was respect for the truth and we weren't afraid to criticize that which is not true, that which is wrong. So many people today especially today, equate criticism with harassment, with being mean. You're being mean to me, you're, you're trying to compete with me and you're trying to tear me down and you're a hater, you're a hater, you're a hater. Well, I'm sorry. If I'm criticizing you most of the time, it's not because I hate you, it's because I think you're wrong. And you know, if what you're doing is ridiculous, you should expect to get ridiculed. I should know. I've been ridiculed by the best. When I started my career in writing about the martial arts back in the early 2000s, I had an entire internet forum devoted to hating the ever-loving crap out of Phil Elmore. (laughs) And it all goes back to an offhand comment I made on the very first website I ever created. I had a website uh, that was like the free website that comes with having AT&T dial-up internet at the time. And uh, I had, you know, I was just using it to organize my bookmarks and Kind of think out loud. So, I what I did was, I had been visiting McDojo.com, which struck me as a, a good concept, but poorly executed and peopled by people who didn't really know what they were talking about. That site eventually became uh, Bullshito.com, probably because they got a cease and desist from a certain unnamed, wildly successful fast food chain, but I don't know that. Um, and Neil Fletcher, the owner of Bullshito, <laughs> never forgave me for saying that his his website was bad um, Neil and I encountered each other on Twitter not that long ago like a few weeks ago because he was talking about me and periodically I'll go through and search for references to my books to see if anybody's talking about them because weirdly I periodically find that people are and you know when, they, when you pop up it's like oh you've been name searching I'm like yeah it would be weird if I found people talking about me wouldn't it but it's like Neil had never moved on from 2006. He was still living in the early aughties, and uh, the investment of pride and ego he has in his website must be the only thing the man has, because attacking that website got me on his his crap list for the rest of our lives, apparently, um, and Neil has periodically popped up on the internet to say unpleasant things about me that aren't true, and I owe Bullshito a debt of gratitude, because at one time, I think I had an entire sub-forum devoted to trashing me on that site. Uh, and if that had not happened, so many people on the Internet would not have found out about my work in martial arts and self-defense. I would not be making a living writing about martial arts and self-defense. I, I did internet marketing for martial arts and self-defense related concerns and also survival stuff at the, at the peak of my internet marketing, I was sending emails every day to like 300,000 people across three lists. Um, I don't do as much of that anymore because I've, you know, this is an ever shifting market and what you're doing always changes. But I owe weirdly enough, angry tiny people like Neil Fletcher of Bushido, I owe them a debt of gratitude for helping put me on the map. Early on, it took me a little while to develop that thick skin. You know, early on when people start trashing you and you're not used to it, you're like, what, what, this isn't fair. That's not true. And you get outraged when people say things about you that aren't true. Well, what I've come to learn down through the years is that uh, people always make up stuff and say things that aren't true, especially when they're projecting onto you the sins they themselves are committing so, so many of these martial arts, frauds, and fakes will, will project uh, all of their issues onto you and that's how you get this bizarre situation where they harass people and leave nasty comments and generally try to destroy their lives and do so for days and weeks and months at a time and then turn around and go, these people are so mean and they're always trashing me and they won't stop talking about me. Here's a hint, pal. Stop engaging, stop antagonizing, and eventually the criticism will die down. If you keep getting criticized for doing absurd things, maybe that's a hint that you're doing absurd things. And, you know, some of the people who make up these... These dumb, independent organizations where they're trying to do their own thing. And it's all about positivity, man. Well, it's about positivity until you're viciously attacking anyone who looks at you and goes, that's not right. And, and you know, suddenly they're evil gatekeepers and they must be destroyed. Um, you know, again, if what you're doing is ridiculous, you will get ridiculed. And you're going to have to develop a thick skin. More to the point, though, it's a question of personal development. The ability to accept criticism, not just shrug it off if it's not valid, but accept and act on criticism is essential to developing as a martial artist. If you can't do that, if you can't accept criticism, you're never going to get better at anything. In my case, I learned that lesson about writing. A lot of us learn that lesson in different areas of our lives. Well, the same is true in martial arts. Let me offer, again, two examples. People like Ashita Kim and somebody who has stated before that he was a student of Ashita Kim, Ron Collins, um, both of whom claim to be exponents of ninjutsu uh, and are relatively famous in their own way. I mean, Ashita Kim is a famous ninja from the 1980s, and Ron Collins is mildly famous in smaller circles, mostly because he in, he, he spent a summer spiraling out of control Gained some notoriety in MMA circles when he took a street beef's backyard grudge match and then got punched twice, uh, lost completely. Showed the world that he had no training. Went out and bought a gun illegally, got arrested for that and sent to prison. Spent the equivalent of a high school education, <clears throat> excuse me, in a federal prison. So, but in 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 Ron's case, he's notable because Ron has been creeping around martial arts forums online since the late 90s his first martial arts website i wrote an i made the mistake of writing an article on ron many years ago his first website started in the late 1990s 20 years later he wasn't any better he, you know most people if they spent 20 years doing martial arts if we want to call it that would get better ron never did ashita kim an even better example that guy's been in the martial arts since the 1980s we're talking about 30 to 40 years. And yet, in all that time, he's never gotten better. If you did something for three decades consistently, you would accidentally get better at it. You would have to work not to improve. And that's because, I'm told from people who've experienced it in person, these are people who can't accept criticism. They can't take responsibility for the things they've done. They can't admit they're wrong. They refuse to humble themselves and become students and learn. And because they want to spring forth fully formed as martial arts grandmasters, they never have the opportunity to, to learn and accept criticism, act on that criticism, and improve. Um, I spoke with someone once who was at a seminar with Ashida Kim. Now, this is all third-party hearsay, so maybe it never happened. He claimed that when Ashita Kim got criticized a few times and, and told that he was doing a certain move wrong, he eventually left the seminar in a huff. That squares with the attitude I would expect from somebody who's been pretending to be a ninja master for 30 to 40 years and doesn't seem to get any less absurd. When you're in the room with somebody who's demonstrating who has been doing martial arts for that long, like I've taken a weekend seminar with Dan in the Santo, you know what actual excellence looks like. Also, actual actual excellence hurts a lot. I can say that from from experience. That Dan Inosanto seminar almost killed me. That was that was rough. I took a seminar, a weekend seminar once with uh, Wing Chun uh, Master John Crescione, and that one I am not making this up. I, on after the the weekend seminar, I couldn't lift my arms. That's how worn out I was. I couldn't physically lift my arms to get them onto the keyboard to type. You know, I've seen what excellence in martial arts and what decades of martial arts training looks like, and it isn't these frauds who somehow don't get better despite having been doing what they're doing, whatever that is, for many, many years. The truth and accepting criticism are the same thing, because what is criticism? It is pointing out the truth it is saying your assertion is this your claim is this your actions are this i'm saying that the truth says otherwise i'm saying you're wrong i'm saying i don't believe you now if you hear those words and you fall into a downward spiral of depression and your whole world is shaken apart there's a problem You need to develop a thicker skin and or you need to take a really hard look at yourself and what you're doing. None of us ever wants to believe that we're in the wrong. Uh, The fellow on YouTube that I interviewed with, um, whose name I don't want to mention because that interview hasn't come out yet. um, He made the point that no villain thinks they're the villain. And that's true. But you really need to look around you. If you're capable of looking to the left and to the right and on either side of you surrounding you are nothing but frauds and freaks and weirdos who all have criminal records and who engage in shady, shifty behavior, there's a really good chance you're not the good guy. You really need to be able to develop that ability to look at yourself, to develop the skill and the painful function that is introspection. Um, because you're never going to learn otherwise. It all comes down to three slogans. Say what you mean, do what you say, and mean what you do. By saying what you mean, you be direct, you be truthful. Uh, Do what you say means you keep your word. Part of that is not lying, not making stuff up. And by meaning what you do... That means the actions you take should be meaningful and in support of those previous two things. Say what you mean, do what you say, and mean what you do. These are the pillars of truth, and if you're incapable of doing that, or you have to deflect and dress it up with a lot of excuses and a lot of re- a rewriting of history and casting everybody else who criticizes you as the big, evil, mean baddies who, who won't just won't give you a break, man, well, here's here's a hint you need to take a break from the internet because the internet is not for you. And even I take breaks from the internet from time to time, even doing what I've been doing for gosh, what is it now? 30 years in the martial arts having started in the early 1990s, it's now been wow, almost 30 years. Um, There are times when the grief you have to put up with, because having an opinion will always draw criticism. The grief you have to put up with does wear you down. And, yeah, it's important to have a support structure in place. Sometimes we all experience doubt. We all experience the need to go, am I, am I in the right here? That's normal. Just like with writing, um, as a writer, you should reach the point where you look back on your old stuff and hate it because you've gotten better. Well, as a martial artist, you should be improving. You should be able to look back on old videos, videos of yourself and kind of face palm because you're getting better. If you're not able to accept criticism, however, you won't get better. If you can't accept instruction, if you can't humble yourself to be a student, if you need to arrogantly assert that you're at the grandmaster level and everybody else can go kick rocks, you have an ego problem. And so many of these people, these overgrown children, these psychopaths and weirdos dotting the martial arts landscape have that issue. Now, I don't actually believe that anyone's irredeemable. I've only encountered one or two people who could not be reasoned with. And and I tried, like uh, in some of the, you know, there were a few people that I found myself in contention with and not wanting to deal with that conflict. I even tried apologizing. What I learned was that doesn't help if somebody's completely unreasonable. There are a couple of people listening to this right now. I would love to have a telephone conversation with them, like a real person-to-person conversation. And actually work some stuff out and not be at odds with them. That'd be nice. Because I think I'm a pretty nice and reasonable guy. I think I can get along with other people who are willing to be reasonable. But the key, as always, is going to be truth. I don't want you to lie. I don't want you to have to lie about other people. I don't want you to make up stuff about other people. And You know, if you're telling the truth, then okay, I can accept that there are going to be times when we all come into conflict with other people. But truth, as always is the handmaiden of learning and without that acceptance you cannot be a martial artist and you can't defend yourself if you can't recognize objective reality you will never be successful in self-defense because self-defense requires us to embrace objective not subjective reality to understand that even things we consider politically incorrect are true sometimes you have to be rude sometimes you have to hurt people's feelings even gavin de becker who politically i am not well aligned with um even he talks about how you should listen to the inner voice. Uh, the You know, The Gift of Fear is his most famous book. You should listen to your inner voice, and if it means leaping out of an elevator and making the guy who got in the elevator with you feel bad, feel like you were being rude or even racist, he says, go ahead and do it, because your safety is more important. Well, I'm here to tell you, self-defense sometimes requires that you be rude to people. Sometimes you have to do what a manager of mine once called summoning your inner prick and being Being the bad guy, quote-unquote, temporarily in that other person's mind in order to preserve your safety and your well-being and that of others. But what's important is you're not acting on an emotion that is malicious. You're acting on what's true. And that's always what's going to see you through. All right, this has been the Martial Arts Podcast. I, as always, have been Phil Elmore. Until next time, pretend I said something cool here. This has been the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Visit us online at linktree. Phil Elmore.